Thank you for listening to Missing Molly, an original podcast concerning the early 2018 death of Charlottesville resident Molly Miller. Opinions expressed have been solely those of the participants. Missing Molly was written and produced by Kimberly Lowe, with engineering and editing from Mike Friend. Original artwork from Natalie Jacobson. Music composed and performed by Sam Whedon. Digital assistance is from John Taylor. With special thanks to Todd Ely, Lori Goodbody, Stephanie Bottoms, Josh Bontrager, Tina Hicks, Courtney Stewart, Lloyd Snook, and Edward Thomas. For more information, you can contact Missing Molly Podcast at gmail.com. Welcome back. We said that we would have a new episode and we got new information. So I'm just going to dive right in. Next week, I received a link to a news article and I'm just going to read it. This was written by Courtney Stewart and it appeared in the Charlottesville freebie called the Seaville Weekly. This was posted on February 16th of 2022. Less than a year after a new Freedom of Information Act expanded public access to police investigative files in Virginia, Delegate Rob Bell has sponsored a bill that would reverse the reform, citing concerns for victims' privacies. Quote, there were immediate efforts to access what I would call very private information, end quote, Bell said. He described a TV producer requesting access to a case filed from the parents of murdered UVA student Hannah Graham. When the Grahams refused, Bell said the producer sought the complete investigation file in Graham's murder through a FOIA request. Bell's bill passed through the House General Laws Committee last week. It has alarmed family members of another woman, Molly Megan Miller, whose 2017 death was investigated in Charlottesville and ruled a suicide. Quote, for over three years, this grim experience from start to finish has left our family with countless unanswered questions and unresolved concerns, end quote, writes Miller's aunts, Tina Hicks and Lori Goodbody, in an affidavit attached to a FOIA lawsuit. The pair hopes to use the more expansive FOIA laws to learn more about the investigation into Miller's death. The suit was sent to the city as a form notification of their intent to take legal action and was received on February 3rd. Miller was reported missing in December 2017. After a three-day police search, Charlottesville police located her remains inside her own home. Miller's death divided her family with her mother publicly expressing support for police and requesting privacy, while other members and friends expressed doubts about the investigation and what really happened to Miller. Quote, We lost our daughter, Molly Megan Miller, to suicide on January 1st, 2018, end quote, reads a statement from Miller's mother, Marion McConnell. The case was closed in 2018. Tina Hicks and Lori Goodbody have, in italics, no right and also in italics, no need to any of Molly's police investigative records. For four years, we have asked them to accept the truth, honor Molly's memory and respect our loss. We have been forced to disavow them of their continued reprehensible behavior. If they follow suit, we will respond accordingly, end quote. Hicks and Goodbody's suit claims that they filed a FOIA request with the Charlottesville police for records in Miller's case in July, soon after the new law took place. Police initially provided a time and cost estimate for fulfillment, then, after multiple delays, reversed course. In October, the department denied the request for any records in the case. The suit alleges the complete denial violates the new FOIA law. 
The Miller's family situation offers another case study for Bill for Bell's bill. If it becomes law, the bill would prevent access to closed police file cases by anyone other than the immediate family defined as a spouse, parent, child, sibling, grandparent or grandchild. In Miller's case, that would mean only her mother. The bill says the victim should certainly still be able to have access to those records, Bell says. His bill calls for the victim's family members to be able to file an injunction against anyone seeking information in a case through FOIA. Hicks and Goodbody's attorney, Matthew Harden, the former Greene County Commonwealth's attorney, spoke against the bill at a subcommittee hearing on February 8th. Quote, the problem is when records can be released on a discretionary basis, which is how it used to be, the police could decide unilaterally when they wanted to give up records and when they wanted to keep them secret, Harden tells, end quote. Harding tells the Seville, of course they release the records and make them look good, and they don't release the records that make them look bad, end quote. Harding, a Republican, says the current FOIA law already grants an exception to police, allowing them to withhold crime scene photos and other personal information about victims and witnesses. He points out that Bill's reference to immediate family doesn't fit with a lot of Virginia families, which may include same-sex parents or step-parents. Quote, it's not a problem under FOIA, end quote, Harden says. There is, is actually an attempt to take back the definition of family to the 1950s, end quote. Bell claims his bill would protect victims and witnesses' privacy. Harding believes greater transparency would build trust between police departments and the communities that they serve. The Virginia Coalition for Open Government also opposes Bell's bill, according to the executive director. As Bell's bill wends through the General Assembly, Hardin says he is waiting for a response from the city before filing the FOIA lawsuit in Miller's case. City Attorney Lisa Robertson did not recall return a call requesting comment. Harding said he'll continue to speak out against Bell's bill, and he hopes other victims of crime who prefer greater transparency will also speak up. Quote, I think we're all, what we're all saying is, once an investigation is over, let the public take a look and see what went right and what went wrong, end quote, Harding says. Wow. Yes, and when I read that article, I immediately wanted to contact my delegate, Democrat Sally Hudson. I contacted strictly as a constituent, and this is what I said. Delegate Hudson, I'm asking that you do not support Delegate Rob Bell's bill to change access to police records through the Freedom of Information Act. Not only does this bill keep public record away from the public, it concerns me because he mentions the death of Molly Miller. There are many questions with how the Charlottesville Police Department handled this case. They said Miller was found in a closed closet day three hanging by a belt. One, hanging from a belt is all but impossible. Two, the stench of a dead body is going to be noticeable long before day three. It would start shortly after death. It's important to note that Molly Miller's body was found in the Fifeville neighborhood of Charlottesville, which is in your district. If anything, the investigation needs to be reopened. Sincerely, Russell Naranjo. Then I got a response. Will you read that? Yes. Thank you for writing. I'm definitely share your investment in ensuring transparency and accountability in law enforcement. That said, I don't think it's appropriate to allow any member of the public access to every single file from a crime investigation over the objection of the victim's family. That's what this bill seeks to do. It tightens up a law passed for the first time last year aimed at providing greater access to these records. Time has shown that the framework created in 2021 was too broad 
and has made victims and their families vulnerable to media companies that turn their stories into sensational dramas. The bill Delegate Bell developed includes critical provisions that still permit both lawyers and people who've been convicted to reopen files if they think a case was wrongfully ejected. In the case of Ms. Mahler, the police acknowledged the mistakes made in their initial search, and Ms. Miller's immediate family is satisfied with the resolution. I understand that it may not be the response you were hoping to receive, but I do think this bill strikes a fair balance between ensuring access to people with a legitimate interest in the case and protecting victims and their families from undue exposure. The potential benefit of throwing all the doors to this file wide open inflict extraordinary costs on others who are desperate to maintain some level of privacy when they've already been victimized. Please don't hesitate to write any time to share more concerns or questions about this or any other matter. All the best, Sally. And I didn't wait any time. No, you asked a follow-up question, which was actually one that you and I both asked almost simultaneously. Would you would you please uh, read what uh, you wrote in her response? Let me get to it. So I immediately sent this email back to her. Delegate Hudson, I did contact you as a constituent, but in full transparency, I'm the co-producer of the Missing Molly podcast. You said that the Charlottesville police admitted to mistakes in Molly Miller's investigation. Where did you get this information? And her response... It was pretty simple. She goes, Dear Russ, just paraphrasing public reports from the time, CPD, Charlottesville Police Department, would be best suited to speak directly to the specifics of their work. All the best, Sally. Well, that's really interesting because um, I thought the whole reason that the aunts were asking for FOIA as well was because uh, the Charlottesville police is refusing to say anything. In fact, that was actually publicly reported. Um, wow. I'm, I, you know, I, I remember when we had this conversation, I was trying to process everything. Uh, there's a couple of points. I promise I won't ramble. But one thing in particular, I do think it's very interesting that Sally Hudson, who it does, you know, present herself as a very proud progressive, is championing a bill with uh, Rob Bell, whereas Harden, who is is a Republican, and he's a former Greene County prosecutor. And for those who don't live in Virginia, Greene County is a conservative rural county uh, north of here, and also Commonwealth attorneys and, or um, district attorneys, as they're often referred to in other areas. They aren't exactly known for being like hippy-dippy liberals. No. Mr. Harden, from what I've gleaned, a lifelong conservative, he is making you know a couple of very valid points. One about which I had made uh, previously about the fact that families are really changing. This would limit it to an immediate family. Well, this could be very interesting, particularly if a victim was somebody who was in foster care. They were raised primarily by, say, extended family members, aunts and uncles. And the people who are requesting the investigation members are Molly's family. They are her maternal aunts. They are the mother's sisters. So they do share DNA with her. But, you know, they are frozen out under this this bill if it passes. Harden puts it much better than I could have when he says, once an investigation is over, let the public take a look at it and see what went right and what went wrong. I couldn't have put that better myself. Oh, and, and furthermore, I would like to point out to anybody, I think that nobody who has any sort of moral compass is going to argue that yes, you should not you should not re- victimize the family members of uh, crime victims because you know they've been they are victims and they get victimized repeatedly through the process. However, 
I think it's very interesting that Sally Hudson talks about media companies and not in a very flattering light. And also, she seems to forget that when somebody is dead, you cannot libel a dead person. And furthermore, well, it's not uh, there is no law to prevent somebody from taking a story, fictionalizing it and making it as sensational as they like. And, and furthermore, I do take issue with the word sensationalized. So do I. I do not see that as a very bad word. You know, we are recording the day that Russia has invaded the Ukraine. You could make an argument that that is a very sensationalized story. I was reading about civilian armies. They include people that are quite elderly. They include uh, minors. And a friend of mine from graduate school has been, he's, he's based in the UK, has appeared on several shows, both uh, throughout the UK, but also as far away as Australia, really around, throughout various news outlets. And, you know, he is talking about how amongst uh, he he's he's talking about how amongst other things um he does not see the sanctions work i won't i won't go into uh, won't go off topic into what's going on but you know one can make an argument yes this is very sensationalized particularly when you're talking about the long term uh, consequences and the immediate consequences so it's because a story is sensationalized that does that mean it doesn't it doesn't matter those of us who do not live in the ukraine you could make an argument what does it matter to you you know you're you're not personally being affected that is a story that has lots of victims right now and there's going to be more victims. I don't understand also how an elected official whose job it is to uphold the Constitution could ignore the fact that freedom of the press is is a protected First Amendment right. Well, that's where I start to go in. I mean, who gets to see certain public records and who doesn't is very, very delicate. I mean, you shouldn't say, okay, these are public records, but only the family can see it. Then it's not public. Exactly. Or only elected officials should. I mean, it is interesting to note, too, that she says, well, people that think that they are convicted and also, you know, lawyers will have access to this. Well, that's interesting. She did not expand upon what sort of lawyers does that mean? I mean, there are, needless to say, lots of lawyers around. So should a real estate attorney or somebody who does like securities law, should they have access to police records, but a journalist does not or even a podcaster doesn't. I think that there has been a lot of, I hate to say the term both sides, but there has been a lot of attack by the media. And the media is more important now than ever. If you look at how the media has become monopolized, areas of media coverage is really suffering. Local news and investigative journalists is especially suffering. And in a lot of cases, you do have citizen journalists, you have podcasters that are bringing very important stories to light. I'm not suggesting that we are like those those top no, we're podcasters. Hardly we're uh-huh. hardly that. But I do feel that as a citizen of Charlottesville or just as a citizen of Virginia, I have a right to ask questions and I do have a right to know well what went wrong and what went right in this particular investigation. And something to note is that when I wrote this letter, I didn't know that it has passed. It was House Bill 734. I did contact my state senator, Bryce Reeves, and voiced similar concerns. And we're just going to see what happens now. But again, who gets to declare what's a public record and not? And if it is a public record, why do certain people get to see it and certain people don't? That's my concern. Also, how did this come about all of a sudden? An attorney that I spoke to pointed this out, and I did ask for their permission. 
uh, to quote them. And they said, think of this. The number one cause of death amongst pregnant women is murder by their husbands. If a husband murdered his wife and somehow local law enforcement didn't make the case, that husband could deprive everyone from reviewing the evidence. That is a very valid point, and that uh, attorney is not the only criminal defense attorney who has brought this up. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and wait and see how this plays out. I want to say something as well. I don't think that believing in freedom of the pe- press it should be like a Democratic thing or it should be a Republican no. thing. This is just something that no matter where you stand politically, you should be in favor of freedom of the press. It's called the fourth estate for a reason. And, you know, I think of the Epstein case that was closed and it was really because of the investigative work through, uh, I think it, w- it was the Miami Herald. That is the reason why Epstein was eventually uh jailed. He killed himself before he could go to trial. Then that investigative journalism eventually led to Jelaine Maxwell being tried and convicted. She is uh, currently awaiting sentencing. But that was a case where that was quite sensationalized. You had, you know, young girls being trafficked. You had celebrities. You even allegedly had a member of the British royal family. It doesn't get more sensationalized than that. But under a similar bill, It is very likely that journalist who um, I think she later went on to win the Pulitzer Prize never would have received uh, those files. I will emphasize again that the reason that we did this podcast in the first place was to try to find out the truth of what happened. I have been accused of, we both have been accused of trying to get attention of trying to make money from this I don't care no. neither of us have ever made a penny neither of us thought this was going to launch us into a new career especially not at our ages no. I 50 mean, years old i'm not looking for a career yeah exactly uh and furthermore pretty naively thought that pointing out mistakes that were made by the area press would be corrected These mistakes include the claim that uh, Molly Miller had terminal cancer. Claims that Kratom killed her. Claims that endometriosis killed her. A lot of claims were made. Exactly. And there's only one way to die. Rarely is it more than one way. Well, and and furthermore, too, I had people, I had at least two people who claimed that they called the police when Miller went missing and that the police never spoke to them or were not interested in what they had to say. And it would be very helpful to see if there were records, if anybody called in. I mean, even if they were redacted, did anyone call in? My, My understanding was is that nobody called in with information when she was missing. Well, the thing that gets me was when Delegate Hudson said, email back to me, is that the Charlottesville Police Department acknowledged issues. No, they, they didn't. didn't. They never acknowledged that. And no, they and never said I a word. A- and when I asked her when it was, she goes, oh, just what I heard. Well, she told us to go. She Paraphrasing told you, what she, she heard. Yeah. She, yeah, she told you to call the Charlottesville, to get in contact with the Charlottesville Police Department. Well, the Charlottesville Police Department refuses to comment about this. I mean, Michelle Brackney publicly said that she would not comment about this. In fact, when she was asked to comment about this, she instead ended up condemning this particular podcast, which was not answering the question. There was never, uh, I looked, I searched high and low. There was never any acknowledgement that any mistakes are made. In fact, the last thing the Charlottesville Police said they would hold a press conference later. That never happened. It is kind of ironic that there is this talk about preserving, you know, about protecting the privacy of victims, uh, family members. Well, ironically, by denying the FOIA request, this case is in the news for the first time in nearly four years. And the people denying the FOIA request are who? 
Exactly. The Charlottesville Police Department, who I've been told to contact instead. Yeah. I want to make something clear. So for those who don't know about FOIA. Freedom of Information Act. Yeah, but I wanted to say, too, that someone might mock away with the suggestion, uh, particularly if uh, hearing Delegate Hudson's email, that anybody can request it, that it's all just uh, willy nilly. No, that's absolutely not true. The police have the right to leave out any information that they can. In fact, um, Attorney Hardin uh, makes that point in that article can decide, well, we're not going to, you know, give crime scene photos. We're not going to give certain pieces of information and also too you have to file requests you have to pay you know for this as well as far as you like, pay you can you, they can yeah. charge you the cost of what it takes to produce this yeah it's, it's not like somebody is just going to um, show up at a police station or send an email request one night late at night and say hey give me the file on a particular case and you're going to get it it does not work that way and there actually are protections in place again which um, attorney Hardin points out and the thing is, this is not an ongoing investigation. This investigation no. is over. Why are they trying to well, keep it from us? Well, I kind of find it very interesting that in four years, the people that I'm aware of that have been talking about this case consistent, consistently have been you and I. And putting out a podcast without any sort of sponsorship, we don't have any advertising budget. Well, I've said it before. The truth uh, so, hurts. So ma- the truth hurts. That's yeah. it. it, I, it I can't it, control that. Exactly. It, it requires a certain amount of discomfort. Well, at least we know people are listening. Let's just end the podcast episode now and just see how things sure. play out. Okay, let's do it. Bye. Thank you for listening to Missing Molly, an original podcast concerning the early 2018 death of Charlottesville resident Molly Miller. Opinions expressed have been solely those of the participants. Missing Molly was written and produced by Kimberly Lowe with engineering and editing from Mike Friend. Original artwork from Natalie Jacobson. Music composed and performed by Sam Whedon. Special thanks to Todd Ely, Stephanie Bottoms, Josh Bontrager, Courtney Stewart, and Lloyd Snook. For more information, you can contact Missing Molly Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>